Hey up everybody. Great to see you. Um, great to be back with you. Great to be back with you in church. If you're watching for the first time, hey up. Hello. Hope you're okay. This is our new series, uh, The Way of Faith. Uh, if you were to ask me why we're um, why we're going to call this series The Way of Faith, it's we're going to go through the the basics of of Christian the, of Christian faith, and we're going to do that really basic stuff like who is God. What is he doing? That's today's, is there a God and what he's doing? That's today's talk. Who is Jesus? What's the Holy Spirit? We're going to do this because we want you, um, we want you to come back. We want you to come back to church. We want you to come back and um, make a home here with us. So um, that's why we're going to go through this stuff to try and inspire you, to remind you why church has been going for these um, 2,000 years and why it's great that we come back and that we carry on. So the first question is a biggie. Is there a God? And let me just say right off the bat, this is a question worth spending some time on. We spend loads of time thinking about pretty weird stuff, don't we? So I've got some stats for you. We spend 16 minutes a day thinking about what we're going to wear. 16 minutes. Let me pause. Let, let me just pause as you absorb that information. 16 minutes a day, which adds up to just short of a year of your life thinking about what you're going to wear. We spend 40 minutes a day thinking about what we're going to eat. Just let that chew through your mind. That's not a pun. Two years that adds up to. Two years of your life you spend thinking about what you're going to eat. And and this is definitely me. I'm a worrier. We spend, and this is a st statistic given to us by the Daily Mail, we spend six and a half years of our life worrying about stuff. Worrying. Maybe uh, maybe we just end up worrying because you're reading the Daily Mail. I don't know. I don't want to diss, uh, diss the newspaper undeservedly, but maybe, that, maybe that's the case. The God question. Let me put it to you like this. If there's even the, the tiniest possibility in your head that God exists, and I think for loads of people in the world that is the case, if there's just the tiniest, ex just tiniest possibility that God exists, given the implications, given the fact um, that if he's real, he holds everything in his hands. Given the fact that if he's real, all of our future depends on him. Uh, at this very moment depends on him. Given the implications, let me be really like blunt and a little bit rude. You're a mug not to think about it. You're a mug not to think about it. Equally, having a belief in God, if it's just a belief in God, because because your mum and dad rocked up to church for 20 years and you thought it was a good idea you just you're just as much of a mug if you've never thought about it any more than that because think about it how much help is that going to be to somebody else in the end somebody that's trying to find their way in faith how much help is that going to be if you just rock up to them one day and you say well you know they, they come to you you're you know you're a christian you go along you go along to church and all that sort of stuff and you just say to them yeah, and, then, and then they go to you, well, why? Why do you do that? And you go, well, it's just it's just what I've always done. How, how much how much help will that be? How useful is that? And the other reason that you should think about it is because if you're like any one of the other 6 billion, 7 billion people that live on this planet, you're going to come up against times of great trial and great trauma and great struggle. And if you've not thought about it, if you've just gone through this, 
if you've just gone through this journey and just sort of said in the back of your mind, yeah, I'm pretty sure there's God, and you've not thought about it, that's just going to unravel for you. So it's a huge question. You've got to give over some time to think about it. So what we're going to do this week and next week, I'm going to ask two of the, I've called them tipping point questions. They are, I think, the the questions that the human race asks of God or the problems that the human race has with God that cause people to stumble away from faith or to not to not find God. So it's two the two biggies, two big questions. The first one, God, this is the first problem for human beings. God can't be all powerful and good because so much bad stuff happens. That's the first one we're going to look at. And we're going to look at this next week. But I want to give you a reason to come back in this series. So that's next week's problem. Don't go away just now. It's another big one coming. God can't be all powerful and good because bad stuff ha- happens. It can't be the case that God, the God of the Bible that we proclaim, is both really, really powerful and mighty and good. Because when you look around, there's so much bad stuff happens. That That is a real problem for people. I would say that's number, number one tipping point. And it's also number one tipping point, I think, for people of faith if you've not thought it through but the one we're going to look at today is the other problem people have is the one that says we are here by cosmic coincidence it's it's a big explosion and science has disproved faith so i want to do two things it should be quite a quick talk hopefully so stick with me i'm going to give you today and next week i'm going to give you a few reasons that if this is an issue for you, if God's an issue for you, for you to turn your head back towards God, for you to think, yeah, well, maybe, maybe there's a God. And then I'm going to give you what the Bible says about it, which is not always the arguments that we want to have. So the first question, we are here by cosmic chance. The argument goes, you can't believe in the God of creation and miracles because of the way that our world strongly holds the evolutionary big bang cosmic explosion stance uh, richard dawkins says richard dawkins probably the biggest voice the biggest voice i've come across on this in the god delusion says you can't be an intelligent scientific thinker and hold religious beliefs it's a huge attack on christianity you can't you can't consider yourself an academic you can't consider yourself smart you can't consider yourself to have thought about this world logically and hold religious beliefs and think that miracles might be possible and think that creation might be possible. That is that is the argument. So I'm just going to give you, these are, not, these are not exhaustive reasons as to why you wouldn't believe in God and I'm not going to be able to give you exhaustive reasons as to why you should. I want to try in maybe five or six minutes and turn your head. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to give you reasons as to why you might come from a position of not thinking there's a God to thinking, oh, you know, this might be this might be the case. So the first one, the big umbrella title let me put over this is that too much, too much about life on earth, too much about our lives seems too unlikely to be just determined by chance. Because that's what the argument of science suggests. It's all just a coincidence. It's all just a big chance. Here's what I'm saying. Here's the, here's the argument. Here's the the apologetic for Christianity, if you want to call it that. Too much about how we live, too much about the way we live today and we exist 
can't be down to chance. It can't be down to chance. First, so I'll give you two things to think about. The first one is the miracle of life that we have at this moment. The, the, I mean, you look, grab a telescope, look out at the cosmos. It's, it's terrifying. It's terrifying out there. And you look around at the creation that we live in, the, the life that we have. And it's a, it's a miracle. If it did, this is what I would say to you, if it did happen by chance, it's a miracle that it happened by chance. Here's what uh, Robin Collins um, writes in a, in a book called The Scientific Argument for the Existence of God. So it's, it's a bit of a lengthy quote, but it makes the points really well. For organic life to exist, the fundamental regularities and constants of physics, the speed of light, the gravitational constant, the strength of the weak and the strong nuclear forces must all have values that together fall into an extremely low range. The probability of this perfect calibration happening by chance is so tiny as to be statistically negligible. Negligible is not an easy one to say. There are 15 constants that have precise values. If any one of them were off by one part in a million, or in some cases, one part in a million million, the universe could not come to the point where we see it. Matter would not have been able to coalesce. There would be no galaxy, no stars, no planets, no people. He goes on to say, and I think this is very powerful, it's like the universe knew we were coming. Just let that float around in your head. What he's saying there is, it's just, I mean, so think about it. Rationally, could it happen? Could it happen by coincidence? You say, well, maybe if there was enough explosions, maybe if there was a billion, billion, billion explosions, maybe. But you've, what you've got to concede is that is a huge leap of faith. Look at this place. Look at how we live. Look at the way that it's shaped. Look at the way that we think. Look at the way that we feel. Look at the creation around us. Look at the air that we breathe. Look at all of the logical things that make sense. You've got to concede that it's a huge, I think, a bigger leap of faith to say, man, yeah, this is just caused by a cosmic coincidence. The the best way I've seen this illustrated was in a Christchurch kids club, a a Christchurch Sunday school class. It was a brilliant one. I think it was Aunt Fisher and my brother Dan uh, that did it. And what they did, they got, um, they did the Lego experiment. And it was terrible for me because I was preaching through here and I lost the congregation about 10 minutes in when this Lego explosion went off in the kids club next door. So what happened was they said to the kids, right, we're going to bring all this Lego in a big bag. It's the Lego that makes, I think it was a pirate ship. And they said, we're going to blow this thing up. And then it's going to land as the pirate ship. And of course, what happened, they blew the thing up. The Lego went everywhere. It was quite exciting. The congregation all left me, joined in with that. But there was no pirate ship. Of course, there wasn't a pirate ship. There wasn't even any Lego landing anywhere near each other. No Lego looked like it was ever going to join up together. And it was certainly never going to make a pirate ship. This is the point. It's a huge leap of faith to look around at this world and go, that's just a chance. Second one. Our convictions of morality, love, and beauty. If there's no God, love can't exist. Like that just, I mean, challenge it if you want. Think about it. If there's no God, love doesn't doesn't exist. It can't exist. So come back to me if you want, or come back, come back to me later. Shout at me in the street, that kind of thing. 
hear the argument ultimately and this is C.S. Lewis's logic most of the time. If we're just here as a result of a cosmic accident and all that's ultimately happening is the survival of the fittest, if that's, if that's all that's happening, if that's all that's at play, then all that's really happening is that we're passing around a set of chemical reactions that we want to pass on our genetic code so that we can survive. That's ultimately all that's happening. So morality, love and beauty are all ultimately defined by our need to pass on our genetic codes or they're there by chance. So you can't have morality, not really. It's just a random line that we put in the sand. If we just, if if it's just about the survival of the fittest, if we, if we, if we can look at nature and say, well, we're really just like them. We're really just like the lion that eats the other thing. If that's all it is, then how are we to gauge where morality lies? How are we to trust that? Love, falling in love with somebody is really just hoping that you find a mate that means that you're more likely to survive into the future and love's got nothing to do with it doesn't exist that sound real c.s lewis explains it like this you can't in the lowest animal sense being and i love i love hearing somebody really logical write about love it's brilliant you can't in the lowest animal sense be in love with a girl if you know I'm guessing he's writing this as a younger man. If you know, or reflecting on life as a younger man, if you know and keep remembering that all the beauties, both of her person and of her character, are a momentary and accidental pattern produced by the collision of atoms, and that your own response to them is only a sort of psychic phosphorence arising from the behavior of your genes. You can't go on getting very serious pleasure from music if you know and remember that its air of significance is a pure illusion that you only like it because your nervous system is irrationally conditioned to like it you see what he's saying he's undermining the argument i think beautifully he's saying really do we really think like that do we really does does morality feel like a line we've just stuck in the sand or do we feel in our hearts that there is something that's just right do we feel like love is just really about passing on our genes or do we feel like there is something deeper and more meaningful than that? Of course we do. I think the very way that we see, I mean, often you look at the world, maybe you stick the 10 o'clock news on and you go, well, maybe, maybe, maybe we got it wrong as Christians. And you look at the world and you think maybe it is just all about having sex and winning battles because that's a lot of what the news is. But notice the way that the world always checks itself. It always checks itself. It never lets itself away with thinking that that's what it is, does it? It never lets itself away with thinking that war is right, even though we keep going to war. It never lets itself away with thinking that sex is all it is because it craves love. The way that we hold on to these things, morality, beauty, and love point blatantly, I would say, to the fact that there is something bigger that orchestrates all this. Here's the last reason. Despite the fact, so I don't know how far you've got with that, but despite the fact that we've had maybe 300 years since the Enlightenment, we've had maybe 150 years since the origin of species, we've had, we've had time to stew on this, and, th and this mentality has embedded itself in our culture and in, and in our schools and in our education systems. Despite that message, the message that's out there, we are still a spiritual people.
despite the fact that we've had 300 years to think about this, we remain a spiritual people. So the last, uh, the latest stats, this is Wikipedia stats, I don't know how you go with Wikipedia stats, but they're not going to be that far out. 70% of the world population would consider themselves religious. 2.4 billion people would consider themselves to be Christians. 2.4 billion. In that time, in that 300 years, we still search. We still search for spirituality. We still search for meaning to the point where I can be flicking through my social media feed and along with a load of Generation X and Generation Y, I can watch a Russell Brand podcast. I think there was about 100,000 people watching it, talking about spirituality and this, that and the other. And, and whilst you might say with the, like your conservative Christian head on, oh, they're just, they're barking up the wrong tree. Russell Brand's barking up the wrong tree. At least Generation Y, in light of 300 years, of enlightened thinking, Generation Y are still looking for the tree. They're not contented with the message. They are still searching and still spiritual. And we could we could assess all this and we could go, oh, maybe we're just deluded. Maybe we just can't let go of this religious story. Maybe, we, maybe we'd just be too scared without the, the comfort of a God. You could maybe say that that would be an argument. Or you could maybe say, along with the wise sage King Solomon, that there is something planted deep within our hearts, something innate to the created human being that won't let him let go of God. Okay, there's the head-turning arguments. Now let me just tell you very quickly, and this is the end of the talk, so stick with me for five more. This is what the Bible says about the cosmic accident. So it's, it's and I should say at the start, it's verse one of the, of the text that we've looked at, and I should say, I know we've not spent a great amount of time in the text, the plan is, I don't know if we could have this, the text up on the screen. The plan is over the next few weeks, well, maybe even the whole series, actually. Occasionally, you come across a text in the Bible that is like it pulls the whole story together. So you've got random stories all over the place that do little bits and bobs to the story. But you've got some texts that you come across. And Mark 1, John 1 would be examples of this. Colossians 1 would be another, where it tells the whole story of the Bible. It pulls everything in together. And that's what that's what happens in verse 1, which is the only verse that we're going to look at today. We're going to keep using this text as we look at God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, baptism, things into the future. Read with me verse 1 and have a think about what Mark's doing to this audience that is reading his message. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. See what Mark says there? This good news, this good news, this, this, the gospel story, the good news that's going to save the whole world is connected to, he alludes to this by, by using that word beginning. He connects it right back to the, in the beginning, God, Genesis 1 verse. He connects, he connects the hope that this New Testament people are going to have, that the church is going to have back to the creation story. He says, this hope, this messianic hope, this hope in Jesus is the same story as this is the creation story. Now, what happens, what has happened historically with Christians and with people who aren't Christians is that it's become a bit of a war. It's ended up becoming a bit like 
we feel like we have to shout about the third what happened on the third day or the fourth day a little bit louder um, to make the defense of the, of the of the gospel and genesis is a genesis is an incredibly hard but particularly genesis chapter one two and three incredibly hard bits of the bible to understand to to translate and to deal with because of the other parts of the bible they've got fixed genres you kind of know what's going on this is a psalm this is a proverb this is wisdom this is news um this is history and you get genesis and it's got history and it's got poems and it's got other things in it and you're sort of working through and it's and you're trying to think well when was this how do i understand this text when was it written down there's arguments to say it was word of mouth it was sort of spoken out in abram's time moses got it and he wrote it down some of the people say that it was collated when the when the Jews were in exile. And we're kind of sort of wondering about to try and make sense of, of what exactly is going on in the in the beginning story, the creation account. One thing that we can be sure about, one thing that we can really know, God's people, whether it was Abraham, Moses, or the exiles, they lived in cultures of many gods. Loads of gods. You should um it's worth a Google because it's quite good fun. At least if you've got my brains, uh, my, my mindset rather, it's quite good fun. And you look around at the amount of different gods that they had. Sometimes it was a planet. Sometimes it was a slug. Sometimes it's an old lady in a village. Sometimes it's a king on a hill getting rich. And they've got gods, these people that surround God's people for everything. Weather, fertility, how you want to spend your afternoon. They've got gods for everything. And you end up, the people around God's people are ending up doing a dance for this. Um saying a prayer for this god there were just there were hundreds of different ways that you would carry on everybody would have a god everybody would have a little trinket on their shelf and along the way in these different cultures someone's getting rich and powerful some people are getting abused this crazy orgy type part is going on right through mesopotamian culture and there's real destruction and chaos happening because of these different gods but everybody around god's people they're all living like this loads of different gods but god's people the Hebrew nation cling on to this story. They repeat the refrain over and over again. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In seven days, it's a story that they repeat over and over again. They cling on to it. You can imagine the scenario sort of padding out over the dinner table. You can imagine it. You can imagine seeing the Jewish family trying to wrestle with this. You can imagine the kids coming back from playing with their mates who believe in many gods and different gods and coming back saying to their dad, why don't we try? Why don't we try the slug god? Why don't we try? Um, why don't, Dad, why don't you go to one of them crazy parties that so-and-so's dad goes to around the Ashtoreth poles? They look like fun. They seem to be doing all right. Why don't, you, why, do, why, don't we give, why don't we give some of this stuff a go? Why don't we try the crazy sacrifice that the people down the street are doing? Or why don't we go and get a bunch of trinkets and stick them on our window and pray to them? Why don't we try all this stuff? And the, the family sits down and the mum and the dad look at the kids and they say, this is not God. This is not God. God is so much more than this. God is so much more than this. God, in the beginning, God created the cosmos. He set the stars in place so that people would marvel for the next however many thousand years. He set the, uh, the water so full of fish that even though we get really greedy in the 20th century, we're still not going to be able to empty it of fish. He breathed life into you. He created the weather and the crops, not to enslave people, not to lord it over people, but to set them free, to empower them so that people could thrive. 
he created this place he gave it purpose and meaning and order it's brilliant what god is is brilliant he is so much more than a trinket or a slug or something your mates got he is so much more than this and this god seeks to walk with his people this god seeks to provide for his people this god will even forgive his people this is god the point is we live in the 20 21st century with hundreds of gods you know if you stop to think about this we've got hundreds of gods hundreds of gods around us um probably more than you know more than then more than in bible times more than at any point in human history we are loaded with gods um gods that do this for us and do that for us gods that entertain us uh, gods that enslave us and and we we sit around our dinner tables with our family and our friends and we say things like oh you've this is the best thing i've ever seen you've got to get this this will change your life we say we say words like that all the time and we mean them and they carry real weight every now and again i think we've got to say to ourselves this isn't god this isn't all there is god is so much more than this everything we've got to say to ourselves everything about my human existence everything about my person everything about me is possible is only possible because god started it god thought it up what, what when I look at a view and I think it's beautiful, and I want to like I see a mountain and I want to climb up it. That only happens because God thought it into into being. Every single physical object that exists on this earth exists for His purposes. Will be redeemed by His purposes. This is God. This is God. There you go. I've given you some head turners, hopefully, and I've explained God to you from the Bible and what he says. Now, I don't know how far you've come with any of that. I don't know if you shook your head through the whole thing. That happens. Happens to me. Maybe you've gone a little part of the way. Let me just say this at the end. Being aware of this stuff, having your head turned, so to speak, having an idea of God, that'll only get you so far. It'll only get you so far. It'll only be so good to you. You've got to trust it for it to mean anything to you at all. You've got to trust it to make it useful. Me and the family on Friday night were watching, and I'm going to look around. I think my wife's just about on screen. It was, it was a film called Skyscraper. I'm going to say it and look at her. It's the it's the worst film. Don't watch it. It's the worst film I've ever seen. It's appalling. It's an appalling film. I got I got I got angry watching it. It was so bad. It's basically, um. And I walked out a couple of times, but I love my family. So I sat down on Friday night, movie night. It's basically two hours of The Rock looking looking fantastic, which is maybe one reason that, you know, you think, oh, I can't watch this. You know, the guy looks so fantastic. But also just spending two hours not falling off stuff. That That's basically the plot line. He spent two hours looking around at this skyscraper and needing to fling himself out of a window to save the day and looking around at stuff that could hold his weight so he could clamber back up and save the day. That's basically it. So he's looking around, grabs duct tape, he grabs a rope, he grabs a statue, grabs a crane, 
just every 10 minutes, he, he looks around for something and, and grabs it and climbs back up it. And he saves the day every time. Because this, this item that he looked at can take his weight. Here's the point. It's no good being aware of something that can save you if you don't grab onto it. This God story. This God story, this thing that you might exist in the, you know, in the, in the side of your mind that you might be sort of wrestling with, or you might have, you might be coming along to church and carrying it along with you. This is no good unless, unless you're willing, like the rock, to let it take your weight. Unless you're willing to take a risk on it. Unless you're willing to invest in it. Unless you're willing to jump out of a window with it in faith. Trust it that it'll save you, then it'll save you. That's what you've got to do with God. So Bible says two things. Know that God's real. Know it in your heart. Know that it's real. And the last, the last thing it says, and it says this over and over again from Genesis through to Revelation, it says of God, cry out to him, reach out to him, shout out to him, have faith, hold on, trust, seek him with all your heart. And you'll find him. That's week one of the way of faith. Hope you come back for week two. God bless. Thanks for staying with us just as we spend a couple of minutes just uh, chatting some of this through. Thanks for speaking to us today, Ash. Uh, starting the series with the heavy stuff. Uh, who is God? That's, that's quite a start. No worries. This is really, really weird, isn't it? <laughs> Very, very strange. I, I feel like I really miss Paul. I feel like we need a, a third person. A third, just to make it less. He's allowed to have a holiday. We're, we're allowed to have a holiday. Yes. But he, can come, he has to come back soon. Come back soon, Paul. <laughs> um, Ash, tell us a little bit, about, bit more about this series. So we're calling it The Way of Faith. You've already indicated um, what's coming up next week. What's your hopes and aspirations for the series? Where do you think it's going to go? What, what, how do you hope it's going to help the church? Why okay. do you pick it? How, how does that work? So that enough questions? Asked, yeah, <laughs> I'll probably answer half of one of them. Um, in the past, we've had series, Paul organise a series called The God Question. We probably did that every every so often. We do that just to remind ourselves of the basics and try and really reach out to people when talking about the basics so our messages can be really inclusive of, you know, depending on how far down the journey you are. Also, we really wanted to because people have been out of church for so long, physical church, we really wanted to give you a reason to come back and really remind um, remind you of how brilliant this is, why the church should carry on, and why we should really fight for it, wrestle for it, all that kind of stuff. And so I hope that we are reminded of the basics. I hope this message, also that because we're online, I thought this is really great that, you know, we've got to maximize this opportunity to tell people about the basics of Christianity. So I wanted to do, you know, some apologetics about God, uh, explore, you know, basics of salvation, talk about the Holy Spirit, what, you know, what what's that all about? What's, what's he doing? Talk about why we should get baptized, what baptism is, um, why we sing, why when you come here, we don't just sit, why, why we're roused to sing and pray and things like that. Good. So, yeah. so there's going to be quite a bit of everything then. Next next ten weeks. Ten weeks in the way of faith. Yeah. Covering all of the all of what you just mentioned and maybe a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. So, sounds good. Sounds good. Hope so. Um, 
I would really, uh, I think the idea of remembering um, who God is in the everyday life when we're surrounded by kind of gods with a small g, if you like, things that kind of distract us and kind of having that big overview of God in uh, the the big, incredible, marvellous God in every day. That, that was a real kind of highlight for me in, in your talk today. What do you What do you think, what does it mean to you seeing God in the every day? How do, what's the kind of practical implications for that? When you see God as created in that sense? I think if I'm really honest, I don't. This is, it's, um, whenever you're, if you've ever been through the process of writing a sermon, the biggest lessons are always the ones for you. So I think the honest <laughs> answer is that I don't always I don't always view the world through that lens. So what it is for me is is a really healthy perspective. I think it's a really to rem, to remember that God. But sometimes when I when I lose that perspective, I think I can become really unhealthy, and that that does happen to pastors and Christians. I think it happens to us when we lose that perspective. And I think to remember that God is um, right at the start of all this and wraps all this stuff up and. He's so much greater than our troubles and has got purpose in everything. I think that just really helps my perspective. So I think I do, I'm not there. I'm not there all the time. And every now and then, you know, often enough, uh, the, the, re, the truth of that stops me in my tracks, has a word with me. And then I seem to be like in the talk, I say to my kids or I say to those around me, like, we need to remember that God's, or, or you say to me, or my pastor or Paul says to me, says, you need to remember you know how great God is that God is bigger bigger than all this so it is it's a jolt and it's a perspective change of that I would reckon you need uh, what about you is this I yeah I, I like the I, I'm a I quite like having a sense of purpose that's something that kind of keeps me going in life um, and I love the idea of God being a creator and in everything and all of things because it helps me with that sense of things having meaning and purpose and fulfillment behind it. Uh, cosmic chance doesn't really do it for me. I just kind of think, well, what's the, what's the point of that? Can I thought that, I think it's a bigger, it's a, it's a bigger leap of faith, I think. But, but then you don't always, I think that that is such a strong story in the world that you don't always remember that. Even as a Christian, you sometimes lose, you lose that sense of thought that God is ultimately behind all this and ultimately still working things out. Good, good stuff. Maybe last question as we kind of wrap things up today. You mentioned we were in Mark today, looking at Mark chapter one. We've been in Genesis, looking at Genesis chapter one. And you mentioned about the whole story of scripture. You talked about some parts of scripture that really jump out at you and tell the whole story. Some are a bit more just different genres and things like that. Maybe over lockdown, I've decided I'm going to read my Bible a little bit more, or maybe the Bible is new to me and I want to start reading my Bible. Where would you? Where do I start? What do I need to know? Where do you start? <laughs> where do you start? What do I need to know? Any heads up? When I'm reading it, how do I make sense of it? What would you? Re what, what's your recommendations on that? If you've never read it before, I, I wouldn't start in Genesis. If you've never read it before, I'd start in the Gospels. Okay. Um, Why? Because I think that's the crux of the, that's the center of the story. So the gospel is telling the story of Jesus? I think those, those I, I think always reading the Bible, what's helped me to read the Bible is when I understand the big picture, the big story that it's telling, the big narrative arc. So what it's actually talking about is 
is not just random wars and not just weird acts and weird kings. It's talking about it's talking about a God who's redeeming a people, a fallen people, and he's talking about a huge act of grace. And I think you um, you can you you can see that retrospectively. It's easy to see that retrospectively in some of the Old Testament stories. You can see it there, but I think it's helpful to start with understanding and so the, the, the Gospels really tell that story most clearly, and they're a good platform. I think if you understand, if you start off reading off the Bible off the wrong foot, you can you can make it say whatever you want it to say. If you just pick out a little passage, you can say, oh, it says this or it says that. But if you read it in light of what Jesus did and what Jesus brings, then that adds a lot. Of, that adds all the right colours. Well, I like that. Did you think of that before? Or adds all the right colours? That's, oh, that's a good line. Every now and again, I stumble upon something <laughs> that makes sense. Okay, so thanks for your, that advice. Maybe you can join with us. We're going to be looking at Mark's Gospel for the next few weeks. Um, so maybe Mark's Gospel being one of the Gospels, that would be a good place for you to start. Um, if you've not read the Bible before, why not read that with us? Or if you um, have read the Bible before, but want to just keep in touch with what we're doing on a Sunday, uh, join us in reading through Mark's Gospel. should also say that Aside from having time on a Sunday to chat through, the life group questions that are available in the email this week will really help to hopefully unpack some of what we've been talking about on a Sunday. And you may be able to uh, discuss them in a little bit more detail, just in groups of a couple or a few, virtually or physically, whatever, whatever is the most appropriate. So I hope that's helpful for you guys. Ash, would you just uh, close in prayer for us and then we'll sign up for today. Okay, let's pray. Father God, uh, we give you thanks um, as we remember uh, that you are at the beginning of everything. Uh, Father God, just we just ask, um, if this is something we're struggling with, uh, our prayer is that we might see it a bit more clearly. Um, but yeah, we just pray that this uh, truth, this reminder would really resonate with us, maybe change our perspective. Help us to see how how great you are, how big you are. Help us to, to be reminded of your purposes. Help us to be reminded that you are the an originator and help us to help us to enjoy your creation. And even, you know, as we stumble across these gods with a small g, help us just to always remember that there is that there is something fundamentally better, more purposeful. Father God, yeah, just please show us your face. Remind us of your greatness again. Convict us of it, that we might serve you really well. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless, guys. Have a good week. See you next week.